Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's the Nerdist Podcast number 322. The Nerdist Podcast live is actually going and doing a couple of shows in other cities. Well, one and a half other cities. Uh, on March 15th, Nerds Podcast Live is going to be part of Gilda's Laugh Fest in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then on March 29th, we are going to be in Anaheim, California, uh, near WonderCon. So that's why I say city and a half. It's a, you know 40 minutes from Los Angeles. But we're sort of, I mean, it is out of town. You know, oftentimes, oftentimes, Skydart and I would go down to... Uh, Anaheim, go to the go to the Magic Kingdom and stay in the, stay in the hotel there. So it is a it is a date. It's a trip. It counts as out of town. You can go to nerdist.com/calendar to get tickets on those. And then a bunch of stand up dates coming up after Talking Dead wraps um, in April and May. I'm doing a uh, a metric shit ton of dates. I guess it really should only be a metric shit ton if I'm touring Canada. You totally stole that phrase. That was my phrase that you totally just stole. That's one of those phrases Stop that it. everyone no, thinks they invented, Chloe. It. I always say metric fuck ton, and then you just changed it a little bit, and now you're claiming it's yours. I have, I, I, trust me when I tell you that I've been saying metric fuck ton since before. Since before when? Christopher, since before when? <laughs> since before I met you. Oh, uh, I don't You thought I was going to say before you were born. Yeah, I, thought, I, I did think you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, how would that even be possible? <laughs> I don't know. How would that I even be possible? <laughs> I'm creepy. The Nerds Podcast would like to welcome its new sponsor, Ting.com. Ting is mobile phone service that makes sense. A lot of mobile plans have hidden fees, steep penalties, Arbitrary rules, unnecessary premiums, they'll soak you like a sponge. Uh, as a result, mobile phone users are paying a lot and they're not getting a great service. So it's a completely new approach. It's totally user friendly, clarity, usability, savings. Uh, there's no hidden fees, there's no overages. Um, the website is simple. Uh, you can actually talk to a person when you call if you want customer service. Uh, you get customer service eight to eight. Anytime between 8 and 8, a real a human being will pick up the phone uh, if you call uh, their customer service line. Excellent online support as well. Active customer forums. Simple and powerful help ticketing system. Video tutorials. Video startup guides. So much more. It's brought to you by Two Cows and anyone who's been on the internet since 1994, as I have, has most likely downloaded one or many things uh, off of Two Cows over the years. So... A $25 service credit or, or device discount for those of you who are Nerdist Podcast listeners who go to nerdist.ting.com and sign up. 
Thanks again to Ting for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, which is a wonderful episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Which I don't think is a... I don't think that's a jerky thing to declare this a wonderful episode, because it is. This is my friend Shaddy Petoskey, who runs Puny Entertainment, which is a fucking awesome animation house that did the um, timehole pilot for Furman and I. And over the years, we've just tried to always find different ways to work together. And Shaddy recently began gender reassignment and has been very public about it on social media and has made a stunning transformation. I mean, absolutely stunning. I mean, the the pictures are awesome, and, and I think she looks fantastic. And so, you know, just wanted to come in and talk about it. Uh, I mean, I asked, of course. I, I, I didn't I didn't record a conversation and then just decided to put it. I said, hey, would you want to come on and, you know, just kind of talk about the process, let people know what you're going through? And and uh, and she said, yeah. And, and, I, and I honestly can tell you that, uh, and I mean this absolutely sincerely, this is one of my favorite conversations that I've ever had on the Nerdist Podcast. So uh, I, I hope you enjoy it as well, and I'm positive that you will. Uh, the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 322, uh, with my good friend Shaddy Petoskey. Now entering Nerdist.com. Started recording. Because we just get into it. Jesus. I know. But you're going to have to get closer to the microphone. All right, good. Just like this, Shadi. Just like this. Just <laughs> Matt just mashes Matt it into Matt his face. Matt falls asleep just... on the mics all the time. He just ends up like. Mmm. Can you hear me? I know you hear like. Yes, we can hear your beard. Cool. Which is fucking you wanna... unreal, by the way. I'm really I'm proud of it. S- I'm so jealous of your. I just got listen. I got Scott Mosier really inspired me to grow a beard, so well, I did. Well, we're not here to talk about your beard and Scott Mosier. Fine. Uh, our good friend Shaddy Petoskey is here. Hey. Hey. So How's it going, guys? Is that Here's Polish? a little bit. What is it? Petoskey. It is. It's nice. Polish. I'm adopted though. I'm not actually Polish blood at all. Have you looked oh, into like? Have you ever looked into like what? There Jesus, go all my jokes. Who your like a, like real birth parents are. No, it was adopted to see if by like a Irish father. Oh, well, that doesn't count. Yeah. There's English in there. It doesn't count. Someone, doesn't count. someone adopted it. That story is no longer <laughs> fascinating to me, Shaddy. Move on. Right. I, uh, I know that I was, uh, uh, when I got Shaddy's uh, number, I know I was drunk because it, like, the last name is Patekatek, and it's just like a random letters. Like, I was like, I'll know what it means. It just sounds like, it just sounds like a, like a Dennis Miller bit. Sounds like Dr. Evil doing the Macarena. So, so here's a little, here's a little backstory. Um, I don't remember how. How did we get hooked up with? How did I get hooked up with Puny the first time? Was it through Furman? Was it through Mike Furman? Must have been. It was through Mike Furman. Um, you do you own Puny or you just sort I of? I own it. Yeah. You own Puny, which that. is Puny is one of the fucking best animation studios. Let's hear some credits. We got the opening credits of Super. Super. We got Harden Firms Harden Pilot. Firms Pilot. But it's beyond that. Puny is this, and, and what I what I always explain to people. Yo, with, Gabba, I was Gabba. gearing up for Yo Gabba Gabba. Yo Gabba, Gabba. I know, yeah, just, like, <laughs> we only talk about Chris's thing. Yeah. Two things that Chris has done and then we stop. I'm sorry, I wasn't on Yo Gabba Gabba, so Ooh. doesn't count. Um, but your company, your company was largely based in Minneapolis for a long time, and it was this really cool. It is this really cool collective of artists, and you guys do a lot of commercial work, which frees you up to do 
fun, nerdy comedy projects that you like. Yeah, for and very ev- low money. For very low money. <laughs> and thank you for that. Let's you guys, talk about your business plan here. Uh, <laughs> you guys did Time Hole. This is how good her uh, business plan is. Uh, this kid that started a uh, awesome little uh, uh, podcast network, uh, Dustin Martin, uh, like, you know, you you gave up space in your offices. Yeah, just we bought up microphones, and um, it's pretty much the same as this place. We, we hooked them up. But you guys uh, just like making stuff that you like. Yeah, it's all about making stuff and just doing things when you can. And right. and the fact that you guys are based in Minneapolis, it's a little bit cheaper than if you were based in New York or Don't Chicago. Don't tell our employees there that, but yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's some great art schools there. I'm going to now, Minneapolis Chamber of Commerce. There's some <laughs> great art schools there. There's a lot of talent there. It's like design oriented and it's just a great place to be. Cheaper space. It's great. So, it, so I moved from there, so fuck it. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but puny, so people, people, they should go to punyentertainment.com, which is your website. But the re, the main reason that I wanted to have you on, besides that you besides your animation company is uh i guess i don't know a hand maybe last year it's a very special episode it is kind of a special <laughs> episode but i think it's important and i want to you know and, and i'm i'm excited to talk about it. and i hope you are do you CD feel okay do you feel nervous talking? <laughs> well we're getting right into uh my personal yeah that's that's great um, yeah yeah that's no, good that's so good. i i just <laughs> you're shuffling around in your seat <laughs> i uh, i guess maybe over the was it right before the holidays it was right before, yeah, between Thanksgiving. And right before the holidays, you you made a you posted something which basically just said, "Shaddy was Shad." You were you were. I, I wrote, "I'm changing my gender." You're ch- I'm changing my gender. Period. The end. What were the responses? Did people think you were kidding? No, I. You know, most of my close friends have known for seven years or something but like for me to do it everybody you have to the thing like you have to be kind of a douchebag to be mean about it now i got like one bad letter but everybody else was just like great you you know you go girl and stuff like that so it was like a overwhelmingly positive response which then just encouraged me to actually do it oh good from that point on so good yeah because i didn't you know i guess i had the same response too i was like oh fuck that i i mean i think for me whenever someone kind of makes those pro themselves decisions where they, you know, whether they pursue something or whether it's they quit, you know, they quit something and pursue something involved and passionate about or become who they are or really are, are finally at a place where they can go, yeah, I think this is, uh, it's a whole different path and it's hard, it's a hard decision, but this is what makes me happy. I always feel really good. I'm like, good. Everyone should be fucking happy. And so I, I don't know. I, I felt, I had, and I had no, it's not like I ever thought about, your sexual orientation or what? This, I just didn't even think about it. It's just like, oh, you're shad. And I just, I, you know, yeah. you, you're you fun and nice and you do great work. And I just never even thought about it. And I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't. Oh, that's awesome. So I thought it was really cool. And I think I even sent you an email that was like, hey, you're fucking, that's awesome. If you, you know. That's great. Yeah. But I do want to sort of talk about, because um, I think maybe, you know, maybe the, I just think, well, maybe there's someone listening who's kind of going through some of the same struggles. Maybe there's something that people can benefit from. We're here to help you. That are listening that... And you're kind of you're still in the in the middle of it, really. At the beginning, you're in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anybody's listening to this, is going to hear my voice, and it's like, well, that doesn't sound, you know, that's not ladylike or whatever. Like it's, well, this is this is really common, actually. So, like, anytime you see a news report on somebody who's transgender and transitioning socially, it's always like Mrs. Jones going back to school now. Mr. Jones, what do the students think? You know, it's like the first day back at school. Yeah, like that's, yeah. that's when you're interesting. It's never like somebody that's 
five years into it and is assimilated and you don't actually know because they've got like all the shit down and they're like performing gender in like the normative way that everybody expects yeah so we're kind of used to just being kind of like oh we're interesting now the day we come out and when it's the most awkward and most terrible terrible and terrifying part of our lives um and then that's what like creates i think this the stereotype of what a trans person is is that like oh it's like a dude in a dress like awkwardly like stubble and makeup or whatever like like a weird voice yeah 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 yeah. so um this is the kind of the mo so i'm in the beginning of it but um i think if people know that it's just like it's a it's called a, a transition versus like a switch then um i feel pretty comfortable talking about it i guess yeah, because yeah. I don't know what's gonna come, but I don't know. I just well, you you posted that cool think. video that uh, somebody did where they took a picture of themselves every day during the transition, and it was it was I think a year and a half, two years or two years, yeah, yeah, and it was uh, it was pretty incredible because it's it's so you realize how subtle and how like how it's just this it is a, just a transition, and that's the problem if you're in it because you don't you know you I look at myself every day right so like. I don't see any changes at all. But then somebody who I haven't seen, you know, for six months or something will say like, whoa, you look totally different. It's like, no, that's impossible. Like, no, I don't. I know I don't. And then it's like, then I'll actually put the photos up side by side and go, oh, yeah, I do. I'm 53 pounds lighter. Yeah, I was going to say, even since I saw you at New Year's, like, you you lost tons of weight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some. You look good with hair, too. Because before, you just, you like, you were totally shaved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But you, you look no, you just weren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I wasn't. I mean, you know, when stuff like that happens, I mean, it's not like it's not like we were best friends. But I still feel like, oh man, I just there was a whole social thing that I just missed from someone that I really like, and I so part of me felt like, fuck, why would, you know? But it, well, we're working together too. We didn't. It yeah, wasn't like we were hanging out like yeah, every yeah, night. Yeah. So if we're, you know, it's, it's. But the other thing is like the unfortunate thing because like for me. Since I was like a child, you know, four years old or something, I was always waiting for people to say like, oh, you little queer boy, like you should, is there anything you want to tell us? And <laughs> it never happened. So like I was doing something that people didn't catch on to. I, I think there's a lack of self-awareness there, but I think I'm being like super feminine or something. And then, but no one else is saying anything. I remember like in grade school, like Spotting the teachers I thought were gay and like going like, "Hey, Mr. Hamner, like, <laughs> I just call that a Mr. Real Hamner, name. yeah, <laughs> you, you douchebag." No. no, I've forgiven Mr. Hamner because I realized how hard, like, as a teacher in Northern Montana or Northern Michigan where I grew up, like, you couldn't encourage that behavior. Like, you would have to distance. Like, I was yeah. always really mad at the two teachers that I was pretty sure were gay. For not like helping me, but uh, that you know, like they couldn't back yeah. then. Did you have yeah, anyone to talk to at the problem. time, or did no, you have to hide no. it? No, that's the thing is you hide it. You hide it. So I guess I was good at hiding it. So like that's so like the fact that you're saying like I didn't know. It's like well, unfortunately, like no one knew my entire life. Yeah, and that's like the sadness of it. Does it feel? Life. Does it feel? weird to just be like well this is it now like does it feel weird yeah, to talk about it or is it a, it's got to be no, a relief it's all weird everything's weird i'm every this is weird <laughs> like <laughs> this is so weird but it's like it you know i i think I, like at this point i feel like i'm just kind of on autopilot i know that certain things i do are like a performance of gender like this is what's gonna get me called she when i walk into a restaurant right like that's that's what this does this isn't 
you know, these, these aren't innate things that I'm innately feeling. This is just like there's a certain amount of performance. But overall, like it's all coming together to fulfill whatever that hole was so that I'm not depressed anymore. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing that I wish more people would have noticed is just, uh, just that how depressed I was and how, sh- you know, I, I weighed 300 pounds because I was shame eating and shameful and like. Mm, I know. hear that. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything you want to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> how are we going to get that gut off of you? What are, what are you, what are you oh, supposed- that explains the beard. Yeah, that's <laughs> the beard. exactly what's going on. The literal and figurative beard. <laughs> well, it's one of the things that we talked about in, in the email is, well, because I said, uh, m- you know, uh, my ex Janet Varney's cousin, Julian, went uh, through the reverse transition, went from Julie to Julian, and then he came on her podcast to talk about it. And I said, you know, he had a really rough time and he had a back and forth. You know, there was like a, there were, for a while there were drugs and you, and you said very, very common. Oh, yeah. The, the you know, you you're self-medicating because you have this pain you know it's simple it's like such a simple thing it's like um i have to point out that i have no answers so like you don't have to have any answers and i think that that's like part of the problem is like i for a long time i would like read all this like gender not you know like there is no gender radical feminism or gender queer theory or i like tried to just be like a gay guy you know like i tried so many things to not do this that um and I found nothing. You know, there's like nothing that was helpful. Like the only thing that was helpful is like doing this and have people having people call me a certain thing and treat me a certain way and me feeling that and being able to look in the mirror and, you know, going on hormones and like my body's changing and then like being more comfortable with my own in my own skin. And is that happening? Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's been pretty incredible to, you know, uh, follow you on Instagram and I didn't know anyone could type that much. I didn't know you were allowed to type that much. And, uh, You're not. Like I, a... I abuse Instagram. <laughs> I'm expecting to lose people, but but it's uh, it's great. It's uh, you know you hashtag everything with uh, transparency, yeah. uh, which I thought was so clever. And I think thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the idea of yeah transparency was just like because it's a transition, and because you can't. You wish. I wish I could just go into hiding. Never talk to you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could have declined. No, of course I could have declined sure. this. But like, I I wish that I could have gone into hiding and two years later come out of a cocoon, a butterfly or whatever. That's a yeah. terrible analogy because it is. It seems sexist. But like, you you can't. And so and because I run a studio and because I want the studio to succeed and I have twenty employees that depend like salaries yeah. and stuff like that. I can't just like hide. So it was like trying to find the. Like trying to not hide made me probably way too transparent and and saying way too much stuff. And I started hear, hearing things from people where it was like, oh, Shadi's being a little. That's a little too much. There's a little too much going on. <laughs> but I think if there's if there's any community, I mean, like the fact that you run a, a basically an, a, a studio of artists. Like how fucked up if you worked at like you know like a bank or, or just like some really sort of rigid structure. But I mean, you know, like people work for your artists are probably like, great, you know, like they're probably all super cool. They are. And like, you know, you guys know Julia Vickerman, like she's just like, she, she moves eight times faster than I was. So she's just like, you have to wear a dress at the Channies. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I, but I never have, I don't want, like, this is so uncomfortable for me. Yeah. And so, but she, she's just like, this is what we're going to do. You yes. know, this is like, she's just grabbing me by the hand. She's very saying, good at like, that. <laughs> saying like, you're going to be, you're going to have fun with this. So, 
so yeah, I, I I was around a community of people that were really great, and they're all and they're they're well, they're artists, but they're also like in their twenties, and so they're just like we've seen this before. Like I went to college, like they knew it, and that's hugely different from my own experience because I never knew any trans people. I never, I still don't really like. Yeah. I I never knew that stuff. And then when I I tried to transition when I was around twenty, and I moved to North Carolina to do it, which was really insane, but. I didn't know. I just wanted to get as far away from anything I knew as possible. And it was so seedy and so dark and so nasty. And it was just like drugs and AIDS fear, you know, like that 20 years ago. And so like, or less than that. Um, But that I just thought of it as seedy and dark and something I just never wanted to see again. And then I come to Los Angeles and it's much brighter and okay and everything. And so it's, you know, it's pretty nice. Is North Carolina, was that the story about the uh, the artist? Yeah. guy that like uh, are you, you trying to make me cry no no i'm sorry i don't <laughs> no, like, no, no, it's no, like you posted it i wasn't yeah, sure if that yeah, was yeah. It. I, I i instagram should make it easier to delete all, <laughs> <laughs> all i'm stuff. sorry I just, no it's so hard to get yeah, through yeah. that stuff and delete it that i've been trying to because it's like i was in the moment of that i was just like vomiting all of um I mean, Dustin, the fair audio producer, is like, you're, we have a show called Vomit on the Web, and you're vomiting on the web. You're just like being, doing way too much. But I think that was just, I felt incredibly lonely, and yeah. it was a way to get some kind of reaction from people and test it out. It's easier to type things yeah, before you say yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. or present it. And it's easier to take a picture of you like awkwardly trying to look a certain way and post it from the you know, perfect angle than it is to like walk down the street. So yeah. the internet was really helpful for me. But yeah, I mean, there was it was it was a dark and seedy thing, and I ended up, uh, <laughs> I'm like, um, I ended up, you know, like dating old men for money and clothes and things, and um, one of them took me into the woods and hurt me. And that you know, there's like a more of a story that's. I don't remember that part. I'm sorry. I <laughs> no, I, I okay. I think I remember like it's like uh and he was kind of a weirdo, so I took out of town. Like Yeah, I no, I, I had to get out of town because I felt yeah, no, it was, yeah. so so a lot of people in your position probably get preyed on by Yeah, and, and I think I think that's changing as well. I mean the whole world is changing so much, but it's like if you are a person who thinks that trans bodies are beautiful for whatever reason, and I'm not trying to be ju- too judgmental, but like that was shameful you know so you're dealing you're in a shameful position where the only place you can kind of express yourself is in like nightclubs right you know in districts and then you have these other people that are like hiding from their wives and going down to the nightclub and district now like um there's a there's a podcaster bailey J, who's like a porn star like a transgender porn star and she was talking about how like the older fans of her she's tons of fans but the older fans will say like um, you know, if if she ever sees them in a restaurant, they'll like make some kind of like weird remark, or you'll kind of know, or they'll stare. But the younger fans will just be like, "Bailey, hey, oh, wow. like I love you, I love your stuff." Like the, there's just a huge difference in the amount of shame before between somebody who like is interested in what whatever that means, like being attracted to a trans person's, you know, in her case, like pre-operative body. Um, Versus not. And so, like, you know, everything's changing and it's safer all around. And if you go to a gay bar now, it's not in the basement necessarily. There might yeah. be open windows that people can see in and stuff. Well, I, yeah. why? I mean, it, first of all, I, I think a lot of people, you know, like most people would not counter 
trans people in daily life. Like mo- like most people just like go about their jobs or whatever. They don't go. They don't go to these. They don't go to these places. They don't see. And so their experience with trans people or so like I had an office that was over on um, just it was just east of Highland and just of, and Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah. And so there's a lot of trans prostitution Prostitute, right yeah. there. Like and and like really it it's like like a bummer. Like, you know, you see them and there's like limping and ripped clothes and they just look like kind of beaten up. Like it really is sort of a that's it, the job you can get. You know, that's 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 a symptom of society and how shitty it is if you want to be. Are we allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, how how terrible it is, especially like in in the here's the thing too. Like I'm talking about being trans, and this is definitely my experience. But like for a trans woman of color, it's a completely different experience. It's not going to be the same as as me who you know who has their own studio. I have health insurance. I have really good access to like medical care and information, and um, so I have it a lot easier. But like you know. These girls are like that's, and and I I wasn't exactly that when I was twenty because I was able to get out of there. But if you want to go on hormone therapy, it's illegal, and you get it by hopefully like a doctor being interested in you or oh wow you know, oh, shit yeah. And so like that that guy that um that we were kind of talking to that I'm being a little bit vague about, but like his you know these guys would like promise all this stuff. So it's like oh you're an artist like. I'll get you an art studio and you can be there. And it's like, you know, they would give you like apartments and stuff and keep you if they yeah. could have the keys, you know, if they could come over anytime and, and do whatever. So they they're just do. creepy, wealthy, older men. Yeah, it's just like this is. Yeah. But, there, you know, there's like, you know, across the board, there's people like that. There's, you know, there's, there's old, always creepy, wealthy, yeah. older men. Yeah, but all, yeah, yeah. But also like, you know, there are women that do that to like yeah. young, like, you know, teenage boys mm-hmm. too. Um, yeah, it's probably. I mean that's like a, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's probably more yeah. awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but sex work is 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 another stereotype, and it's it's just a symptom of of this being so such a you know of us not accepting that trans is like an okay thing. And yeah, I really wanted to. We had the Wachowskis on, and I really wanted to talk to Lana about it a little bit. But yeah. they were really the Wachowskis and Tom Tickford were really there to talk about Cloud Atlas. And I'm and here to talk about Cloud that, Atlas. And let me tell you, that helped yeah. so much. I'm so pilot. And so it was. And you just cannot. I wish I had my brother. In do you the, think if they had it to do all over again, they'd bother? Because that movie bombed. It didn't do well, but which is unfortunate because I enjoyed it. But but I I, I wanted it. to. I really want to talk to Lon about it because you know, like such a public figure, to be so open about it and and talk about it and say like, you know what, this is okay. That that had to have some kind of impact on society. It 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 does. I think. I don't know. No, <laughs> I, I I'll have to check with society. I think that like <laughs> it definitely helps trans people. But do, but did that people. help? Did that help you in any way? Not Lana Wachowski specifically. I I had met Lana like seven years ago and knew and just saw speculation and thought she was always going to be secretive about it because they were just they're kind of private people anyway Mm -hmm. so by the time she like came out in that cloud atlas you know kind of more came out in that cloud atlas video i'd already like i'd already been further far enough along that it didn't affect me but but other people did like and Chaz bono i think was another good example of like a celebrity you know on dancing with the stars like going from uh becoming Chaz bono like I know, like, I think that made it easier for my grandmother because she watches Dancing with the Stars to accept me 
because of Chaz Bono sort of paving that way. Wow. Oh. And my mom brought up Chaz Bono a bunch of times too. So like, well, because I think even of the, the older the older people in the Chaz Bono situation, they remember Chastity Bono, the, yeah. the, the little well, girl that's, on that's, the TV. That's cool, but sad and at then, the same time, where it's like someone has to see someone on television go, oh, I guess I can accept my grandchild now. Like, are well, you it's fucking... just like, it's just it's baby steps. They may have, they of, may have without you know. that. But, you, well, look at what the other, th- this is, this is media saying, like, this is okay, these are normal people. Um because what it's always been before is like what I grew up with was Silence of the Lambs, yeah. and it's like a trans person makes a skin suit out of regular, <laughs> right? You know, out of like a genetic. So it's like it was just so messed up, and every single it was always in comedy. It was always played for like you know so somebody would go into a bathroom and there'd be a woman standing up peeing in a urinal, yeah. Or and then and then and it was always like a murderer. Or Mrs. Doubtfire, or a victim. Yeah, that, I, I think that's. I, that, I never connected Mr. Mrs. Doubtfire that because that wasn't that wasn't about sexuality. That was just yeah, about him I know, trying it was, to. It was just, just the best way possible that he could figure that he could see his kids. Yes, Instead I don't think Mrs. Doubtfire was a joke. What? I don't think Mrs. Doubtfire was a joke. <laughs> it was the a serious movie. <laughs> the, mo- the, the most appropriate documentary on trans. There are. <laughs> if you want to know my story, rent Mrs. Doubtfire. And Fox News just got like a lot of crap from the trans community because they used that. Um, there was some trans oh, no. medical article. Yeah, and they used Fox News um, said like, well, you know, transgender rights, and, and, and I don't remember exactly what the article was, but it showed Mrs. Doubtfire in that scene where it's like hot flashes, like putting out. Oh. Oh my God! Her boobs then they showed the Tootsie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are other trans. I know, icons, I know, so. I know. It's a, I know it's a dumb question no. to ask, but like, why? What the fuck is wrong with people? Like, why, why, why is it so hard for people to? This is just a dumb question because it's just the fucking way people are. But why, why is it so hard for people to go, hey? If this is who you are and this makes you live a happier life, like, why isn't that the focus? I, I just don't, I really, it's so hard for me to understand the, 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 the point of view. Well, for Christians, there's a, there's a line. <laughs> they have a line in their book. They're, like, there's a Leviticus, you know, just as much as, like, thou shalt not sleep with a man. There's something about, like, thou shalt not wear the clothing of opposite sex or something like that. Like, so they, they have, like, roots in it. They love that book. They love yeah. that book. They go by that. Um, and I'm sure it's. I mean, I'm sure it's not all Christians too. But I, but 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 in, but a lot of people have various reasons. And I don't the know. The people that are actually the most like um, online, anyway, are, are are sort of this like this group of radical feminists are the ones that are the most sort of vile towards trans people. They're the ones that take our pictures and then put it up on like hate sites. And like, why? Because they believe that like the oppression of women is caused by you know, this thing uh, by men in this thing called the patriarchy. And the patriarchy uses gender to control and oppress women. So like wearing high heels, which I don't do, but like, it, you know, is a way to hobble a woman or something. And it, and gender is just this incredibly oppressive thing. And it's completely a social construct used to op- oppress women. And so if somebody's saying they're transgender, and especially trans women who are like males from a privileged class saying that they want to be trans women it's it's to them it looks the same as like a white person saying they want to be black and changing oh you know and dyeing their skin oh my god doing that like it's it's incredibly sexist right and they're not wrong like like it is like there is elements of 
a lot of elements of what I'm doing as being somewhat sexist in a way. Um, I think their foundation is wrong. I think that gender does have innate qualities um, or certain aspects of gender and sexual identity, I think, is is an innate thing because if it wasn't, I think I could have beaten it. <laughs> but um, but, you but do, know, you, do you feel like it's something that you had to beat or do you feel like it's, oh, this is just, this is who I am and this is me being what I always felt I, I was? I'm 38 and I just transitioned. It was a lot of beating. You know, it was a lot of like, I don't, I can't do this. This is going to ruin my life. This is going to destroy my company. This is going to make me unlovable in the world. You know, like, so yeah, I tried to beat it. And, and, and that didn't happen. Forever. And that's not happening. Because it doesn't happen. Like you can be, you can fight it until you're, you can, you know, I don't know what it takes. I think, I don't know, everybody goes through that stuff. I, the friends that, I don't really have any transference, but the, the friends that I've sort of gained the most insight from and the people that I think have the most sort of parallel life are my two sober friends. So Susan Burke and Dave Schroeder, like, are sober. And when we talk, they're so insightful about, like, their life change from going from an alcoholic to a sober person. You mean Susan the comic? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. And the screenwriter. Yeah, she wrote Smash, which is about... Uh, alcoholic and she's been she's been so helpful and she's so insightful because she understands like life change and you know things that I didn't understand about alcoholism like how much a part of identity it was and social identity and stuff and so like she's so insightful and then like there are people that on Twitter will say like oh I see a lot of parallels between you and my gastro bypass surgery mm -hmm. I lost 200 pounds and it's I and I, when I read stories about trans people I see this like just such common pain and all this stuff. Because so, I guess it's, it's so much of it has to do with identity, I suppose, yeah. or or at least trying to, you know, it deal. You know, like like I think you said, like fill the hole or deal with depression or or you know. So whether it's I have to drink twenty beers a day or I have to do this or I have to do drugs or I have to do, like it's just not being comfortable. I guess ultimately, I guess it's not being comfortable with who you are. Yeah, and the authenticity that comes when you beat those things or or when you daily try to figure out like that's the thing too i think like a sober person it's like for me it's like one day at a time i think about my i have a bad day and i'm like i shouldn't do i shouldn't do this this is like I, I need to undo this you know like what am i thinking like that happens to me all the time or this is too hard or this is going to be too messed up so um yeah i think living an authentic life or going through a big change to live a more authentic life that's true to like some abstract concept if it was easy if you knew what being a sober person if that was easier you knew that being thin would truly make you happy and it was easy i don't even well i mean i'm losing i've lost 53 pounds and i'm trying to lose about 40 more pounds so i guess i'm kind of going through that too but my shame around eating was completely around this body image issue that i have um Gosh, I'm going all over the place. It's but, good though. But you you know what I'm saying? Like it's so there are these parallels, I think, for anybody that just doesn't feel like they're being true and are trying to find some truth in themselves. And yeah. hopefully do. And I think that my sober friends are much happier and they but they talk it's funny because she'll be like, Oh, you know what you're doing? You're doing this like we call it the pink cloud. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, I am in the pink cloud. Like <laughs> which is a Terrible because for like if you're a trans woman, it's like the pink cloud sounds like a really sexist <laughs> thing. But it's like yeah, you, oh you know you transition and everything's going to be great. And of course it's not great. Like you have to now you have to actually now I have to deal with all my real problems. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that you um you know it, we I mean I, I assume everyone probably lives this way, but it's or most people live this way. It's the sort of you know the uh, 
the if I only monologue of like, well, if I only had this, yeah. and that would make everything better. You know, rather than kind of dealing with where you are in the present, but if I only had this one thing, and then you get that one thing, and it's like, fuck, I still have the same problems. And I think that happens to a lot of people who quit drinking uh, where they they go, oh, if I could just quit drinking, everything would be fine. And they're like, why is everything not fine? I quit drinking. You're like, no, no, that was a symptom yeah. of shit that you have to deal with. Now you've gotten that out of the way. Now you can actually start to deal with it. Yeah. I go to therapy five days a week and yeah. have for uh, about three and a half years. And I did find myself when I would have a problem, go to if I was just if I just would have been born a girl, I would have had a chance. Like if I just would have been or actually like for me, it was always more challenging than that because if, if Morpheus came with the blue pill and the red pill and said like red pill, you can be happy as a heterosexual male or blue pill. You could be, you know, reborn as female. I would have taken either pill. Like for me, it was like either one. Just want to be if happy. I could just be one of these things. I, <clears throat> it's like it's not even ha I don't think happiness is right because it's like I just want to be simple. Like I just wanted to live more simply. And I and I, it was always such a huge distraction, too, that I'd be thinking about gender and looking at other people or thinking about my height or thinking about my like comparing myself to other people in this like gendered way when other people are just like working on something, you know, it's just like, there's just a lot of distractions around that stuff. But I did, I did conflate it with all of my other problems. And it'd be like when I, you know, if the studio was doing poorly one month or something like that, I would, I would get that depression would lead into this bigger undercurrent of depression. So, yeah. so now I do have to, now I'm not depressed about the gender thing. Like I'm, I've come to terms with it's not that I'm like I've transitioned into a woman or something and I it's as if I was born that way but I found this thing called trans that I'm pretty comfortable in. I feel like I can express myself however I want to express myself which I think is really important. Um and I'm just getting treated more the way that I thought I should and I'm interacting with people like I always thought I should interact yeah. with people and I have that those expectations and like and if I and I'm date and when I'm dating, it's like it's more it's a dynamic that I get and like it's not like when I used to date gay guys, I would be out with them and it'd be like, man, this guy like there were a couple big comics and stuff. I'd be like, oh, this guy's so great, he's so funny and he's really smart and I just wish he wasn't so gay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> that was always my takeaway. That's really fascinating. He's just so gay, <laughs> you know. So like, um. Which, you know, whatever. But it is. Um, so now it's like the dynamic is more what I think it should be. Okay. You know, got my it. Own. And because you've, you've said sexuality a few times. It's like there's there's a big distinction between my sexuality because some tra people transition and are, are, are lesbians or bisexual or asexual or whatever. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that you're. But I always have been attracted to men. And so like um, my sexuality and my gender identity are like. It's hard to be attracted to men when you're born male because that's one thing. And then it's hard to be have this gender identity too. And then you have this gender presentation component too because I've never – my gender identity hasn't changed. I've always thought of myself as like like if there was a choice between home, I can shop. So your, your, your exterior <laughs> is just representing yeah, your so interior. Yeah, so there's all these like complicated pieces it's to it. Now you're consistent all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm working on it. I'm in I'm transitioning. You're transitioning. So you know, like I you know I would see you at, at parties like at Comic Con and stuff. And so, so what before you started making the transition, what what kind of was going through your mind when you would walk into a party and then it's like mega social thing, much damage. So 
in in the in therapy this is I don't want to be really shrinky about it but like my therapist explained it as I just compartmentalized and 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 it, she treats me for basically like PTSD because mm-hmm. I also had a pretty abusive father who would always call me a crybaby and a sissy and he was a military guy and if I ever like I was the kid, the seven year old wearing like shiny parachute pants because they, you know, like where in in Michigan uh, because they Jackson were cool. Wore. Yeah, but no one else did it. I, <laughs> like, I, I wore know. them in Memphis. <laughs> um, so it was like I had forty pairs <laughs> in fifth grade. So like it was just it was crazy and like kind of flamboyant and stuff. And it, it just that got beaten down big time. And so it's like with the PTSD. So what I would do is I would basically like in a social situation become just manic. And I think that people that have been to parties with me saw that I would get drunk. Like first of all, I would drink before going to the party, and then be manic at the party, and then go home and pass out. So that's my social thing. So like it's this kind of life of the party vibe that i had going it on. really it really is like like a like a part like a party environment is such an interesting environment because you can you can kind of walk in and be like oh, everyone's here just hanging out and what can be going on inside someone are just fucking thunderstorms raging inside of just oh, yeah trying to figure out how you fit in and feeling isolated in a crowded room of people and no, i don't yeah, understand the- anyone here yeah and then the, of course like like the I, like the last comic-con party i saw you at, it was um you know, kind of a Hollywoody party, and there were a lot of celebrities there. And so it's just, I'm looking for anything. Like, if I talk to the person from Glee, like, is that going to make me feel better about myself? If I just like, you, you just so you're not talking to anybody, you're not connecting with anybody. It's just raging. You know, it's just this manic. And phase. you probably have difficulty connecting with people when you're not true to who you are, because, because you're not representing. Your side. And I don't want you to know. I don't want you to figure out. I'm like my thing was just quips, right? Like if you, if I was ever in a social situation, I was either zoned out, hiding in the corner, or like making cracking stupid jokes. Like that was, you know, or or insulting somebody. Like it was never like connection on a personal level. It was never like how do you feel, and that yeah. leads to like a which you know at a party it's not maybe the appropriate place for that anyway, right? But even just as a group of like four or five people. It was never good. And now do you... Now it's really intimate. It's probably too intimate because <laughs> I think I think being... Because I'm trans and because I'm doing this stuff and because I've been so like um, transparent online, I think now people are more willing to talk about their own things. Yeah. Um, and so I get into a lot of really intimate conversations. And now when I go to a party, somebody will pull me aside and we'll sit down and we'll just talk about something for an hour, which is great. You know, it's like... It's better because you, you still quip, a, though. You still quip. I, I'll quip. Well, no, because th- there's that. There's probably that whole layer of like effort that you don't have. That oh, you don't have to expend any energy now on what if they find out. Like there's none of that. Yeah, it's not. There's no. I'm not looking for any of the things that I thought I was. So looking for so before. what's so what's the process from the time you decided like this is what I'm going to do. As much as you're comfortable about talking about, but you know what's the what's the the medical process for for how like what you have to go through and how long and 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 all that stuff. Uh, I'm not gonna go into all of it because I think I think it's important because for trans people, like it it has been so hung up on like genitals and that sort of stuff for so long, but it's not about that. So I don't want to get into like a lot of that stuff. But like, but in general, um. About two years ago in therapy, I, I um, 
my my therapist one of the treatments that they'll do sometimes because because sometimes people go in with gender identity disorder I think is what it was called something like that um, the diagnosis of it but some people have like borderline personality disorder or uh, dissociative identity disorder or they're like a fetishist like because that that exists like there are cross dressers that just like to like put on a pair of, uh, like, I never cross-dressed. So it freaked me like out. Like, there are I mean, straight men who just cross-dress. Yeah, you cross-dress because it makes you, I don't know why. Eddie Izzard cross-dresses. Yeah, I don't know. But, oh boy, he's even, like, is he doing that? I don't know if he's doing that for a sexual reason, but some people want to, like, get dressed up because they're attracted to themselves or something. There's, like, a million different reasons for people to mess around with gender. And so um, one of the ways that they sort of test it is they give you, like, a low dose of um, testosterone blocker to kind of see if that when because it lowers your sex drive and so when your sex drive is lowered you still feel like the same about mm-hmm. it because you're not if it's not a sexual so you're trying to see if it's a fetish or not yeah i i don't know if they're just saying like we're gonna see this but they but you do you test you just like it's a little like let's see how the, does this make you feel better and it's like oh my gosh yes this is great and then and then it's just sort of more and more so when i got into like so they give you estrogen so I inject estrogen once a week, and then they give you this like um, testosterone blocker, which you have to have. Um, and then uh, your body just starts changing. I mean, I, I don't know. Like you grow boobs, and then you um, your skin gets softer, and you know the the fat distribution changes, and your face changes a little bit. And there's stuff that like people you you regrow hair, which is cool. Like if you have like if you're bald, like you'll start regrowing some of the hair that you lost. Um, so if any of you guys start balding. Estrogen man. I'm listening. <laughs> also heard prostate medicine is a good way to grow hair. Yeah, because it's it's a similar um it's it's usually like a, a androgen blocker. So it um it shrinks your prostate and it'll uh, Oh that's what that's where Propecia is. Yeah, Propecia. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where, but but Propecia um can uh ruin you sexually for exactly. the for the rest of your life. Also, yeah, also if it's a cracked pill, don't you, touch it if yeah. you're pregnant. Yeah, like they're just like they're <laughs> don't, just don't women, even look at it. Yeah. Women in general, like it's like just like don't even fucking get near yeah. it because it's just it's like it will just seep in and fuck some shit up. Yeah, it's it's you're messing around with hormones, which a lot of people have a problem with. But like your body's messing around with hormones all the time. Like when I first got tested for my hormone levels, like they were abnormally low, and I didn't know that. And then I start reading about hormones. And it's like men in prison tend to have very high hormones. It's like these sex hormones control so much of like your personality and and obviously sex drive and stuff like that it's it's pretty crazy so i think then i started taking hormones and my body changed and that made me feel good and i just i remember waking up this is i i feel like i have to be careful here because i know that trans people will listen to this and they always were really critical of other people because it's like don't say that because then they'll just think it's about boobs or something but like when i when i first sort of felt the weight of breast growing one morning when I was like, you know, half asleep, kind of waiting up, waking up and I was laying on my side and I just felt connected to my body, you know, and it was just like, oh, my God, like this is I smiled and then fell back asleep. It was just like I'm connected. And then I like my dreams. I always used to dream that I was like sort of a random amorphous female thing or I would dream that it was from my perspective, like my I never dreamt as myself and then i started to and it was just like oh this is how probably most like we're called trans people we call you uh cisgendered people so cis uh which you probably haven't used but this is how cis people um 
dream. <laughs> They're in it. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, you know, like that kind of stuff. So, and that, and, and these experiences are my experiences. Like, uh, you know, I've been on message boards for 20 years and stuff. And it's, people have a lot of different experiences for how they experience their, like, dysphoria and, and what they need to do. But for me, it was like that kind of stuff. And so when I started dreaming, I started seeing myself. I got, I would wake up so happy. It's like, oh, that's what my, I'm like, my body is creating, my brain it has, you know, like, like an amputee who still feels their arm, like their arm is like my body is starting to map me now correctly. Like it's, I'm unamputating myself or something, <laughs> um, which is, yeah. So, um, so that's exciting. I just feel, you know, integrated and connected. How's it, uh, has it, uh, like, uh, the positivity in your life during the tr uh, transition, like helped your work or your creative, uh, like, you know, ideas or, or did it, did it, or, or, or did it hamper it in the sense that when, if you're more content, are you less driven to, you know, like, yeah. you know, is, you know, sometimes performing can be like, I just, I'm so, I'm going to go out of my mind. I think I just need to go distract myself. It totally did. It, and that was unfortunate because part of the compartmentalization I had was work. Like if I, if I got the reason why puny, like I was able to do, we were able to do the LA stuff from Minneapolis and, and grow. And we grew quickly. Like the first year we went from zero to 22 people. Um, the, reason that happened is because I worked constantly to not have to socialize or think about this stuff. Right. right. So now it's like, no, I want to, I want to date. I want to hang out with people. I don't, I don't want to work all the time. And yeah. it's, so it's like a, you know, maybe not great <laughs> for the company, but I think it's, it's making me now do things that normal people have to do, which is like work-life balance or something. Yeah. Is dating um, is dating challenging from the standpoint of, you know, as you're going through this transition and as you're probably learning more stuff, like, you know, it's you're still you're still figuring a lot of stuff out. So how is yeah. dating in that process? It's ter terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible because you don't. You know, it's I'm. It's funny because like all my like girlfriends will say like, oh, you're good, you look good, or your photos are good, or whatever. You're a great person, and you're all this stuff. Like you're a real catch, and it's like, oh, cool. Introduce me to any. Buddy, you know who would go out with me, and then they're like, Ugh. you know, like <laughs> you're so it, good. It, it, yeah, and immediately it's like. It's a small, small pool, <laughs> a very like a tear duct of dating pool. Um, but there are, you know, there are people that like, like, you know, like maybe they started dating a woman and didn't know that she was trans because she's like, this is an actual story of a person. So hi, this person, if you're out there, he started to date a woman who transitioned at 16. So she didn't go through like a testosterone like a masculinizing mm -hmm. puberty which is what you see when you see my like broad shoulders and tall body it's just like it's hormones during puberty did this to me and hormones if if i had proper medical treatment and could it was safe to come out like like the kind of trans person that i am will probably like pretty much cease to exist it already is ceasing to exist because the world's so much more comfortable around it they're, they're in schools there's like gay straight alliance stuff like if, if there's a kid that's showing any kind of gender nonconformity, like people ask and they wonder and there's places they can go and so they get put on puberty blockers and then they get the normal pu puberty that matches their gender identity and you will never know you know you won't know so um and that doesn't mean there won't be trans people in the future because it's still an identity and it's still like a cultural there's still a culture to it it's still part of you no matter wh whether people know that you're trans or not, you still are trans and you might. But I'm curious about that. Is, is the goal to be, 
is the goal at some point for people to not know, or is it better that they know and they love you and accept you no matter what? I think that's individual, uh, based on individuals. I think I think it's a better society that where you don't have to hide it, where they yeah. know and they love you and accept you, and it doesn't mean that you're less of a something or you don't get to be what you want to be because you are this thing. Um, I think that's the better way to go. But in the past, it was definitely like, they call it passing. You wanted to pass and you wanted, and they call it stealth. You wanted to go stealth. Oh. That was like the whole thing is going stealth. And a lot of people did. And then there's one of the big trans af- uh, excuse me, activists right now, Janet Mock, was stealth. She worked at People and she was an editor at People.com, um, I think. Um, no one knew, had has a really good looking boyfriend, very like typical gender normative life. And then just decided with all the political stuff that happened, I guess, I don't, I haven't talked to her about this, but like that she was going to tell people she was trans. And so she got up, she told people she was trans and then started to help other trans people from her position as like somebody who worked at people. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think people that used to be all about going stealth and now it's like, it's more about, that honesty because i don't think anybody wants to say like oh yeah i remember that when i was a kid like when i was a little bo- when i was a little girl go you know like you have to make up this whole backstory yeah, you, have yeah. to, you know it's like there's going to be a certain level of dishonesty if you're stealth it's cooler it's cooler to live in a world where you can be like when i was a little boy yeah like, that was my experience because you shouldn't be typical it wasn't you shouldn't be ashamed of you know, when you used to be a man or a boy, right? Like, yeah. it's like, is is that a thing that maybe comes up? It's like, it's like I was kind of ashamed of, like, uh, yeah, being think, a man or I being a woman. I think if I wasn't as big... Well, you're ashamed of certain choices you make, and you're ashamed of not living authentically, and I get ashamed sometimes. I don't. I have a lot less shame, but I'm a, I'm ashamed sometimes of not being courageous. I'm ashamed at people I dated. Like, I dated some women that I just kind of led. Like, I, I told them right away what I was like I knew but I still like got into relationships I shouldn't have like, yeah like beards, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about beards. I know about, about beards it. I know yeah. about beards too so like so there is you know there's shame about that stuff and then if you're like me like if you're like Janet Mock or somebody that's 16 you might want to hide that stuff a lot more but for me it's like people know like I'm not I'm never going to be somebody I'm 5'11 you know I'm never going to be somebody that people are like oh you know, people are going to wonder and guess about it. So like, I almost feel fortunate in that sometimes because I get this like life continuity. Plus I'm older and I have a life and I have a career and like Google will betray me no matter what. Like yeah. If somebody types in my name. Like, Google's like, such a dick. You know who won't betray you? Bing. Right, Jonah? <laughs> I think... <laughs> I Jonah, th- well, can you get Bing to take off all? <laughs> I'll see what I can do to erase my career entirely. <laughs> but I think uh, I, I don't know. It just it seems it it seems more empowering. I mean, like from you know, I obviously I can't say I don't have the point of view to say, but it as much as I can relate to it, it seems more empowering to be like. Fuck yeah! I, you know, I uh, this is what I this is what I was, and I took control, and like it just like feels like you are in control of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're kind of living, and you can't be honest with anyone, you're not. It's almost like I don't know. It feels like false control because you can't. You, you, you know, like you have to. You unfortunately have to lie to. That's the stealth thing of like lie to fit in. You yeah. know. And it feels like you have more control if you're like, yes, this is it. it is there a problem? No? Good. Let's fucking move on. Yeah, it feels really good to be able to be 
honest and and talk about things. And because I lied for so long, I mean, I constantly was making up things. I can't even, you know, well, I mean, even just being like, yeah, I was constantly lying about stuff. I mean, it's so crazy to think that, you know, from a lot of people's point of view, they go, oh, well, this happened all of a sudden. You're like, no, this is uh That's the thing. You're saying you lived as a man. It's like, no, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Because I, but I didn't look in the mirror. Like, I didn't know, like, from my point of view, I didn't know what I looked like and what I was doing. You know, to me, it was just like the eyes... I felt like this in the invisible eyeball, you know, I'm just an observer. I'm completely detached from my body and, uh, and a zombie <laughs> was tied around to everybody's projects, as you know, from the talking <laughs> dead. Uh, no, but like it was, it was, it wasn't, you know, like I think people talk about that too. They talk about like the shared exp- experience that men have or the shared experience that women have. Or exper- I didn't have any shared experience because I wouldn't if you if you said come to my bachelor party I wouldn't go you know like I wouldn't I would like I've avoided I had no guy friends I had I have friends I have plenty like I have people that'll show up for my birthday party but for like intimate friends like I would just avoid everyone so I had this very like wander and I was homeless for a while and I had this very like wandery existence and I think that like starting the studio when I think back about it, it was like, I just didn't want to work for anybody or be, I didn't want to be around people that I wasn't distanced from, you know, like it's just everything in my life. I look back on now and put the pieces together and it's like, yeah, I was just trying to be as isolated. As I mean, possible. I, I think a lot of people maybe in that situation would not have just started an animation studio. Like, like how do you go from, how do you go from being homeless to, Oh, I'm actually going to at least, pretend that I have my life together and start a thing. Like, that's a pretty huge undertaking. Yeah, well, I think when when I when I sort of got hurt in North Carolina, I just decided that I was just not going to be this way anymore. I was, I got, I got really transphobic and really homophobic. And I got really like, I am not ever going to indulge in any GLBT anything. Like, I just, I was just like, I'm going to be the straightest businessman person like whatever that there can be and then i just started working and all that stuff i didn't decide to start a studio i I was freelancing and then i got too much work and then you know some friends said well we should combine forces so it just you know happened over it happened over a long time like i I was 29 before i started the first one i had a different one before then we did comic books and stuff but i was 29 so from like 18 to 29 i didn't go to college I just wandered around. I wasn't doing a lot between 18 and 29. Just trying to figure it out? Just Find, just, finding. No, just being living catatonically, like basically being catatonic and just working two or three jobs. And I also, this is separate and we're is- introducing another issue we can focus, but I also was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis. So I got really sick with this autoimmune disorder when I was like 25. So that actually kind of helped me not deal with the trans stuff because I went to a gender therapist when I was around 24. And I was just like, I'm not, I wanted to, and I wanted to talk to her, and I did a lot of sessions, but then it was just like, I hurt too much, and it was like all this pain of disease and dealing with disease. So that helped me focus on nothing for a long time. And then, so what was the, what ultimately happened? Um, they created this biological drug that I inject, and I can live a normal life. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, it's this biological, it's called Ambrol, but uh, um, yeah, it's great. It Fucking changed. science, you guys. Yeah, science. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a lot of science. I'm better living through chemistry yes. for sure. <laughs> there's a lot of injections. I'm a little. I have a little laugh. If this were 200 mm. years ago. Well, if oh, this, if yeah. It, if this were 200 years ago, you and I would be about at the end of our life expectancy anyway. So it's like, I just figured it out and dead. You know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you just you, you, the upper third. probably be slave owners, which is weird. I don't know if that's true, Matthew. I, I feel, feel like, like I would have been a northerner. I would have transitioned <laughs> to a slave. <laughs> you would have transitioned. <laughs> <laughs> just feeding into the. Sh- Shady, I do, I do want to know how theory. an animation uh, studio in the middle of the country got together with Yo Gabba Gabba, a show that was like, you know, developed out in on the West Coast. Uh, well, we saw... Because it's something I've always wanted to know. And I never asked. <laughs> um, I saw the YouTube video because they put it up as a YouTube video because they couldn't sell that show until it got like millions of hits on YouTube and then Nickelodeon said they wanted to license it. For us, it was... I was screen... I was... I would just try a million things. I, I, I've done... I was a computer programmer. I worked on comic books for a while. I've done... I, I did like 40 or 50 jobs before that. I'm just like, was always jumping around. Um, and uh, I was screen printing rock posters for nice. shows because Minneapolis is such a big music and art community. So yeah. That's where Flatstock rock- started, right? What? In Flatstock, like it's like, it's like the, like when everyone has the screen printed posters. No, and- I can't remember where the first one was, but it was either Austin or Chicago. Oh, okay, but there yeah. are a lot of like Flatstock Poster artists like Burlesque yeah. and aesthetic. It's always like the coolest stuff. ones I always see are like it's like it would just say you know the Triple Rock or you know yeah yeah. yeah well those because those cool venues um, would commission posters yeah actually, like, so that's what you're doing so you were making yeah making posters. rock posters and like just being part of that community my studio mate um, I was doing comic book stuff but the, my studio mate was Brian Ewing and we shared a studio for a while and he's like a kind of a bigger like he designed the Warp Tour for years and he's like a bigger rock poster maker now. Um, but at the time, we had a studio, and we were just getting started on art stuff. And uh, I decided to try to screen print, and I liked it. And then I was a member of this um, site called Gig Posters, and Jesse Ledoux got asked to do a Yo Gabba Gabba short and was looking for an animation studio. And some of our mutual friends just said, okay, do Jesse's um, short. And so we did the short, and they liked it. And then I saw that they were looking for an animator, and I just said, hey, Rather than hiring like an, an individual animator, can you hire our studio? And Julia Vickerman was moving like that month. So oh, said, wow. We have a person coming out there, and she can be like the liaison to drop off files, and it'll be great. It'll be like having somebody there. And, but but you'll have the, the power of a, a studio back in Minneapolis. That was, yeah. my, that was my pitch for a long time. Nice. <laughs> more people for a better value. And they're like, okay, sure, yeah, it's good. Oh, wow. And, um, That's crazy. So we started r- right away, and then we came down to that Comic-Con, and it was before the show came out, but DJ Lance Rock was there, and we did the whole Yo Gabba Gabba thing, and that was the very first time that I ever went to like an industry party. Or I think that's, uh, is that when we met uh, at that Comedians of, Com- of Comedy? That, I think it was the year, the year after. after oh, okay. yeah, because I had already known Dave Rath and stuff. Yeah, okay. So for a full year by that party. Um no, yeah, that first Comic Con was like we we visited the Yo Gabba Gabba offices, and one of the executive producers was like, "Disney's gonna have a party," and I was like, "We're gonna go to a Comic Con party." Oh wow! I yeah. used to do comic books and used to go to Comic Cons back with the comic book companies put on parties. So, <laughs> so there was like a, a little lull. smaller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Before they became pop culture cons. Yeah. And they were just they It were was just, a Comic Con and they were comics. And it, so it would be like the small presses would. Bring Boy, if you comics. haven't been to like a traditional Comic Con. It's a whole different, it's such a, it's fun, but it's a whole different experience. It's just basically like a bunch of tables, a bunch of cardboard boxes, and just stacks and stacks and stacks yeah. of comic books and artists. At the fairgrounds. And it's fucking awesome. It is fucking yeah, awesome. Really and you're cool. just like, just watching people just like 
you know, oh, it's almost, it's kind of storage wars. He just like rifling no, through. It's like, it's, I get <laughs> that. Cause like I, for a while I've been trying to like assemble like the Batman run from like, you know, one day I'll start at one. Yes. Yes. Why don't want fire safety? Guys, this is really goes with my story. <laughs> what makes you think we didn't hear it the first time? Chris, they can hear you, please. What? Please, Chris. No, that's a recording. No, it's not. That's a human being who recorded his voice. Guys, I, I'm, is this is this going He's, to be a test? He sounded old timey. I can't tell. Fire anyway, the disco. Is a test of lights or lights and sound? It's gonna it's gonna be it's it's. But what's gonna happen is we're gonna start talking about something really heavy, and then a fucking fire horn is gonna go off. It's gonna be a foop foop sound. Back to those okay, like back to those original yeah. comic things. Like I've been trying to like assemble Batman, the run of Batman. <laughs> so it's like the that's going to be great. The uh, So, like, it'd be like an issue that's, like, not valuable to anybody but me. But it's like, I need issue 478. To fit the collection. To fit the collection. And yeah. there's that just that moment of going through the stacks. And you and find this guy that has one. that yeah, issue yeah, yeah. 478 yeah. of fucking Batman. That's what I like about record shopping is that, like, you know, you can go and just buy a new one of that record. But it's the fun of kind of looking through the racks and just kind of that culture of just trying to find something you want. Yeah, but it's always that, it's, it's that feeling of, like, this is this guy this is so valuable to me. This is fucking this is awesome. This like a dollar. Like yeah. This is like thing for a dollar that's like, this is going to do it. This yeah. is gonna, I'm so going to have 400 through is it 500. The search versus Because you could get it online, right? Could you get it on eBay Yeah, or but that's not nearly as you fun. You need that's, to yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's the hunter-gatherer thing yeah. of like yeah. the finding. So um, we have a little bit of time left. There's a couple, a couple other things that I want to ask you about. Number one um, is the use of the word tranny. Because I, <laughs> you know, I remember like on my Jeep when my trainee's going, I'm like, no. fuck, I got yes, exactly. Really no, 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 yeah. no, okay, because I think it's an interesting topic because I think most people don't really think twice about it. No. And, you know, I certainly uh, I, I remember I said it once on attack of the show. I was like, blah, 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 tranny something. And someone wrote, I got really angry tweets. And I was like, why is this person so upset? I, I really didn't understand. And it wasn't until it doesn't sound like a good word. And, and it wasn't until that I, I, I kind of dove a little further. I was like. This is a really disparaging word, and it's not because anyway. I want to keep know. saying it though. No, <laughs> we say the T word. No, it's yeah. I think uh, the best thing that I heard was that's the word that people hear before they're murdered, and that's like okay, I'll stop saying it. Yeah, because I was saying it self to be self-deprecating, like oh, you know, just me being like just a tall, messed up, you know, goofy tranny, you know. Yeah. And then it was like whoa, you know, you have to think about what that means. So it is like it's our it's our N word. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh, and people don't think about it, but it, you know it's more than that because like, did you hear about a altercation I got into with somebody online for saying transsexual? Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. So so like people casually toss around like, you know, let's say let's say if there's a tweet that's like, um, you know. It, dirtier than a transsexual hooker or something. Well, that, that's not even how... It, I don't even remember how the exact same thing went, but, like, there are people that are in L.A. who I know are, like, awesome, liberal, sweet-to-me people, but will say, like, throw transsexual in as, like, an adjective meaning less than or worse than or grosser than. Or weird. Know? Or weird or, like, it's bad. And then, yeah. Or, like, um, another, like, so this... There's this other woman who's like a friend of mine who wrote, she put on a lot of makeup on day and she wrote tranny face. And it was like, I know what she was saying, sort of. But like, it just perpetuates that idea that it's 
if you if you wear too much makeup or you look too bad or you look you know or you don't look good or you're not put together that's well basically that's just said, it, it basically just says to to you or anyone else who's in the community it basically just says like um this is wrong <laughs> or this is weird. I mean, it's like the same way that somebody like, oh, the fucking Hawaiians are, oh, check out those black people. Like it's, yeah, this, it's it, microaggressions that build up. And, and, and when you wake up, I there, there were a couple times on Instagram where somebody just said that and I couldn't get out of bed. I was like, here I feel safe. I'm trying to feel safe. And these are people that I'm like connecting with. And it's just and they're not thinking about me. I know they're not. And they're not trying to hurt me at all. But it's just this like. It's just these microaggressions. Well, it's it's a know. weird stratum of society where it's just sort of like acceptable to go like, oh, yeah, of all the things that's OK to say is weird. That's a thing that's OK yeah. without really thinking, you know, oh, you know, maybe someone's been struggling and for it, 20 years and that's yeah, who they are. And, and you're kind of attacking them. It's definitely frustrating for well in, in comedy. Like, you, you know, you, you don't want to be on stage and say something in, in a, and get attacked by the Internet or something like that. I think. I'm not humorless about that stuff, and I don't want to word police everybody. And it's like it's getting to where we can't say anything, right? Like <laughs> I just want to say retarded tranny once, just to describe <laughs> me not, you know, getting a parking ticket, you know. <laughs> so no, but you don't. But um, so I think it's just just considerate, and I think that just is going to make you like slightly more considerate as a person. I'm not. A lot of people are really get really upset about it, and I, I, I don't. I think. I, I did like for the first this I'm seven weeks in so I'm so much more mature but for like the third first three or four weeks I definitely was like um please don't say that <laughs> just yeah. like I'm begging you to just like just give me a break because we are just so used to just like negative 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 mm -hmm. stuff all the time it's just always ugly and always funny and always played for laughs and then um but one of the things I loved about LA is I I think that I'm not a comedian and I I don't have a lot of theories about it, but I I have noticed that like a lot of the comics that I like are really trying to figure out how to do stuff that doesn't insult anyone. That and um, Will um, Weldon, do you guys? Know yeah, Will Weldon's a great comedian. So do you know his bit about uh, trans people in the movies? He does this bit where he talks about how like it's always the same. Some guy has sex with a trans woman or is thinking about it, and then ends up barfing for two oh, minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. So he has this whole bit about it, and I saw it at the at one of the festivals. So there's a big crowd at the downtown Independent, and Will's telling this joke, and then and the the punchline. I'm I'm just going to ruin people's bits from the, for the rest of the show. The uh, was something like, you know, this. Is, okay, I'm not a comedian. I just have to. <laughs> it's just becoming apparent. Uh, was like, um. You know, nobody should be bothered by sleeping with a woman who used to be a man. You're all sleeping with women who used to be children, and it doesn't make you a pedophile. <laughs> and like it was like that was like that was like the thing. And then and the whole crowd at the downtown erupted and like clapped. And I had never felt. I've been to like trans conferences, like two three day conferences where it's empowering and all yeah. this stuff. But I've never felt so like like this. Uh, spiritual is not the right word, but it's just like communal welcoming environment than I, than I did in a comedy club with Will Weldon up there saying that joke and yeah. having everybody go like right on brother yeah. and I'm just sitting there crying yeah. and like this is okay like the world is changing and this is okay and he told that joke instead of throwing out tranny as a funny way to you know, yeah, he, he's a very brilliantly smart comic. Yeah, 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 nice. <laughs> yeah incredibly nice. So, um, so the, but I see that happening more and more but it's not, you know, even in the mainstream stuff there's not 
really that happening and there's always articles coming out and people use it in a really derogatory way but it's it's getting better and that's society's made it safe for me to do this i was i don't have a particular amount of courage i wasn't able to do i tried it and failed and you know ran away with my tail between my legs and yeah. now society's changing enough that i was like all right i'm safe enough to do this well there's an yeah. in, i think with comedy in particular because uh you know i i uh when i first started doing the chelsea show i, I would leave feeling really bad because I would just say these really horrible things about people that I didn't know. And I just kind of felt like I was selling myself out. It was like, I don't necessarily believe these things. I'm just shitting on people. I don't know to try to get a laugh. And I kind of felt whorish about it. And Whitney Cummings actually gave me fucking awesome advice. She goes, when I started to feel that way, I would just make the jokes about myself. Yeah. I would make it about me because then that takes the other person. Oh, well, that's like how I blah, 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 blah. I'm like, fuck, that's a really, and, yeah. and so I've noticed that that's kind of happened with stand-up lately is mm-hmm. that, and it, it actually is, I feel like it's what I should should be doing, which is writing more and more personal stuff about me, and here's why I'm, here's why, here's why I'm broken, or here's why I'm fucked up, or here's this weird thing that happened, I mean, that sort of just keeps everyone, it almost, you know, it kind of keeps everyone else at it, so I'm not going, hey, those fucking people over there, or that thing over there it's all like this was my experience this is what it seemed like to me and this is how i dealt with it and this is like it which is great because then i'm not you know i don't think comedy has to necessarily i don't think comedy has to be a tacky right yeah that's great make yeah. fun of yourself attack yourself yeah. <laughs> attack yourself all I, you want. if i had yeah. to attack myself for 20 years you can attack yourself for uh, 15 minutes <laughs> well me telling a story about how i fucked a blow up doll once is a little bit different than you know like really li- you know like we'll be right back all right wait no i want to tell the story now uh but um yeah don't make fun of blow up dolls make it about they get so much oh you mean plastics yeah. yeah they don't oh the pla- what Whoa. really that's the last thing they hear what Swish. So what's? You're not a comic. Get out of here. So what is the? uh, So what's? So what's next? Like what is? What is the next? You know, like what? What? What are? Do you have milestones? Like oh, and this will be a this, or is it just? It's just a process. (laughs) We're asking her like, what's next? What are you guys animating next? Like, (laughs) (laughs) which one of my things are? Go see movie forty (laughs) three in theaters now. We did a masturbating cat on screen. Um, no, the, this is that's true, but uh, <laughs> the I I had a spreadsheet. So I moved to Los Angeles in September. I haven't been here that long, and I had a spreadsheet of like my transition timeline down to like this is when I'm gonna get like these are my laser hair removal. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's something you have to do too to get. I I had barely any facial hair, but you know you have to get it taken off usually, um, and then. Every little thing, like, I'm going to get a makeover this day, like, <laughs> for the next year. And I blew that in a day. Like, I, <laughs> like I got, I was bummed out on a Saturday. Then I have and lunch at the Ivy. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what you need to do to become a woman. No. Uh, to walk in on sunshine. The whole thing's a montage to walk in was on sunshine. There, was there any, were, were there kind of strange little things that you hadn't predicted or things, or, or like, in the adjustment period of, like, Started to go in the men's room and then went to the women's. Like that's no, no good one because <laughs> I think bathrooms are that's a real point of contention. That's where like 
society clashes is is then over the bathrooms. Right. That's where like like legally, I mean, there's all kinds of terrible legal things that are going on, like workplace discrimination. You can fire somebody for coming out as trans, and most of the states, um, you can. Yes. What? Yeah, gender identity is not covered under anything for for most states. California you can't, and um, Minnesota you can't. So I, I lived in safer states. Um, prisons are huge. Like if you go to prison as a trans woman and you get you get sent to a male prison and then it's oh my god you know like that's so there are big massive life threatening issues for people um uh that are like in politics now but the bathroom one is always one too because it's and, and it's legitimate like there needs to be a safe space for women so if you're saying that somebody can come in based on gender identity are you gonna you know if you're a rapist can you claim gender identity to hurt somebody and say that you're allowed to be in there or something? Could you dress up? Could you put a dress on and be a better rapist or something? Um, which doesn't happen, but it's a slippery slope fear. But with legal, legally. But it's, legally, yeah. it's like something you have to protect because you don't want to really screw up with essentially like a very binary space. Or even if it's not even the, if someone's not even a rapist, but if they're, they're just a perv and they're just like, oh, I'm putting on a job. I'm, you know, I yeah, should yeah, be allowed exactly. in here. And it's right. like, where, you know, how do it's you... It's really hard to be pervy in the women's room because they're stalls. But yeah. There's ways. Yeah. There's ways. Tell that to Japan. Uh, <laughs> and then you just mo- you just push <laughs> the <laughs> microphone <laughs> away <laughs> like you were mic. done. So, I drop the mic. So, what, so, what, so what do you... So, um, so that's, that, that's an issue. But for me, the, the first day I... After, like, I guess I went full-time. I was just, like, wearing a hoodie, but I had hair and makeup done and stuff and uh, was shopping with a friend, and I had to go to the bathroom at Macy's and um, uh, couldn't go. Like, I was just like, I can't go into either. Like, I don't, like, I'm going to get looked at very weirdly in either one of these, and I just, I couldn't go. And so I had to hold it and I was really afraid of it. And then I just started using the women's room and it hasn't been a problem at all. Mm. So like if I, I feel like I practice, if I make a certain facial expression and don't speak, like I, I, nobody knows what's going on. So, um, you know, I don't, like, I don't think of myself as somebody passing, but like for whatever reason, Southern California or because I passed enough, it hasn't been a problem. So um, I don't know when that... I think that happened at the movie theater. Yeah. I was at the movie theater and I had to go really badly. But I waited until after the movie started. But there was another movie starting, so it was totally full. Oh. And I... Uh, but I had to go and I was like, well, I'm just going to do it. And then, you know, just everything becomes easier. So there well, is... Well, you can tell us now, why is there such a long line outside of the ladies' room? What I, is taking so long? They have to sit down. I feel like there should be more stalls. No, You're really tackling the issues there, man. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know yeah. what's, what's up with the airplane? Why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? Am I right? Matt, still Matt was trying to deconstruct the hacky comedy premise. Why do they take so long? <laughs> That's a legitimate question. I always feel bad. He wasn't trying to deconstruct anything. <laughs> I was trying to make him sound better. I know, and I've thought about that, too. I haven't been in a situation that, but I, I was like, I'm going to... Then I will go into the bathroom. <laughs> like I think, like, I kind of feel like I get the best. Oh, that's terrible! I was going to say the best of both worlds, which I'm sure is like the name of all the porn sites. But like, <laughs> I mean, clerks. <laughs> oh, was it? There was like a best of both worlds. Yeah. So, yeah. but I do. I, I I've thought about that. If there's a long line, if I would just like go for it. Yeah, just throw on a jag and go. Excuse me. Well, yeah, I don't even have to do that. I mean. <laughs> 
I feel like either when I walk into people are going to be like, yep, yeah, okay, that's fine, you're fine. <laughs> so if so, just sort of in conclusion, um, it, you know, if people are feeling, if people are identifying with what you're saying, or if people are feeling like what you know, what advice would you give them? Where, where would you tell them to go? Who you know, like what types of support structures are are, are yeah, good? I well, I think the I hope society is doing a better job than well okay, this groundbreaking podcast, but I just mean that like. <laughs> I think that a lot of people that are struggling, like that kids and stuff, like they're they've got it. Like the, the, there's so many good things happening, and it, it's being presented in a much more positive way. And oh, mm-hmm. oh, thank you. Oh. Appreciate it. We didn't hear anything, but whatever it was, no, we didn't we, hear we it was over. The Batman talk. Oh, we did it. Let's see if he repeats it. Yeah, he's good. He's good. All right. It's not like uh, like when you're on the train. In uh, New York, it's like, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not here to ask for your money. I'm just here to dance. Yes. <laughs> just, oh, uh, God. So okay. you say, you say kids, they have you a much. tell that story to impress us that you go to New York? <laughs> I've been on a New York subway. <laughs> hey, I am Queens Boulevard. The, uh, still have that. The, uh, so you're saying kids have a much better support I, I, structure I now like, than they did I before. I feel like there's great resources, but um, things that help me, like uh, Kate Bornstein is a writer uh, whose book, Gender Outlaw, and then the gender workbook kind of like blows up a lot of what we think about gender and is just really helpful there are you know there are a bunch of message boards there's one called susans.org that i think is like pretty good about like message boards tend to be very like cheerleadery or something like it's just like just do like it's the consequences maybe aren't always laid out for people who are have real concerns so if you feel like you can't you want to transition or you feel like you need to be more authentic but you can't for whatever reason I don't go to therapy if you can. Yeah. Like that's been something that was really helpful. And you have to, like, there are these things, they're kind of antiquated and I didn't have to follow them, but there's these things called the standards of care, which is like the medical guidelines for it. And you have to go to therapy before you can get any medical treatments. But um, mostly it's just like, I guess it's just the same advice that any, if you, if somebody said, like, how do you become a comedian or how do you become, you know, it's like you have to just do it. And like, for me, I have ha- I had all the fears. Like, I'm too big. I'm too. My shoulders are too broad. I'm built like a football player. I'm. I've got a career. I'll lose everything. I'll lose. I'll just lose everything. I'll never find love. I'll never. You know, it's just like I don't even know what else. Like, it's impossible for me. How do I even start? Like this, you just have to do stuff and tell people and talk to people and confide in good friends and people. It's hard for people. Like. It's hard, it's hard for me to say just do something because I had such an easy time of it. Like I I didn't get fired because no one was there to fire me, you know, and I didn't get um, uh, I have a lot of creative friends who are all cool with it. I have people who think I'm more interesting now than I was was before, you know, so it's like it's it's like it's been better for me. Well, I, can, I mean, I can say and then um, uh, I. I think we have like three minutes left before the disc runs out. We're still on discs in the E studio. Uh, but I but I can say even just sitting here and talking to you, it's like such a world of difference. And it just makes me so happy for you because you. I, I don't think we've ever had a conversation like this. And I, and I mean, I, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I just remember like, oh, yeah, when you talk to Shad, he's kind of fidgety, you know, like you're so comfortable and you, everything's so fluid and so lucid. And it's so it just... I don't know, just your energy, you just feel so much 
more comfortable. Like it's yeah, a, it's a, it's is wonderful to talk to you. Oh wow, thanks. I mean, it's nice. Does anyone else feel the yes, same Shady, way? Yes, we do. And, but but yeah. I really just yeah. I really just hope okay. that you know even if it's not an issue as uh, even if it's not an a, a, an issue with as much weight as as transgender, I hope that if people feel like their identity is like that they're not who they are, that they still can look at that as an example and go, oh well. If this person could do this, and that's a much bigger, then I can probably try to be comfortable being more who I am. And maybe the other person that we try to help is the people that maybe have somebody come out to them. Like if somebody comes out to you, like what you say is going to be one of the most important things that they ever hear in their entire life. So just be supportive, like unconditionally supportive, and don't you don't need to ask questions. There's time for that. You can Google stuff, but and like don't go duh. <laughs> I wish people said duh because that's like aff- affirmative, right? It's right. Like, yeah. Right. Why are you just waiting for yeah. it? Of course. It's the worst thing people say is like, I never would have guessed. I just can't believe it. You, yeah. you, you macho stud. <laughs> like, it's just like, come on. You're making me feel macho. like. Macho. Stud muffin? Or like, I don't know. That's just about. Yeah. So, um, you know, like, be ready for it because it's going to happen more and more now that the world is safer. Do you want people yeah. to follow your Instagram? Oh no! Okay, all right. Uh, Twitter though, that's fine. All and right. then um, I I'm Shad, uh, Shady Potosky. Did you? Yeah, change? yeah, yeah. And then I'm starting a podcast on Feral. Uh, I don't know the name of it, but it's going to be about this kind of stuff. Okay. And Ooh. creative transformation and like, cool. people going through shit. S H D I S H H S H A D I P T O S K Y. Yes. I don't say anything on Twitter. I'm not. It's not about being funny and stuff. But okay. I just want the um, self esteem. Okay. Boost. Well, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for being here, and I hope uh, and and I do want to I, I do want to do some more stuff with Puny. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Enjoy Thanks, your burrito, everyone. Enjoy your burrito. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.